This podcast, brought to you by Anchor, is currently non-profit making and is based on the second edition coursebook on international history from 1870 to 1945 for Cambridge International AS Level History. This episode is a continuation of the question, what led to war in 1939? The first part was released before this episode. Now, onto the factor of the Rhineland's reoccupation. Hitler had blamed France for the failure of disarmament, claiming that he could not leave his border, the Rhineland, defenceless, when France refused to compromise and react by reducing their armaments. During the Paris Peace Conference, France insisted that the Rhineland should be a demilitarised zone, as France and Belgium had experienced invasion by Germany through this area in 1914, and upon signing the Locarno Treaties of 1925, Germany agreed to maintain its status as a demilitarised area. As part of these agreements, Germany wasn't allowed to keep military forces in a 50-kilometre stretch of the Rhineland. Hitler despised this term, claiming that it made Germany vulnerable to invasion when France refused to compromise and react by reducing their armaments. In March 1936, Hitler took a massive risk by moving German troops into the demilitarised Rhineland area of Germany. He justified the remilitarization by saying that the Franco-Soviet Treaty of 1935, a treaty of friendship and mutual support, posed a serious border threat to Germany, and by arguing that he was correcting the harsher terms of the unfair Treaty of Versailles. Despite the blatant violation of the Treaty of Versailles and Locarno Agreement, Britain and France took no action against Germany in regards to their remilitarization of the Rhineland. The remilitarization of the Rhineland was able to test Britain's response in the event of a violation to the Treaty of Versailles and the Locarno Treaty. The Great Depression was a factor which contributed to appeasement during the Rhineland remilitarization, with British Prime Minister Baldwin arguing that Britain itself was still suffering from the effects of the Great Depression and lacked the resources and ability to enforce the treaty and punish Germany. As a result of this lack of effective action in response to Germany's remilitarization of the Rhineland, major weaknesses in the relationship between Britain and France and the growing distrust between them were exposed. Hitler was now confident that both Britain and France would do nothing to prevent his further attempts to undermine the Treaty of Versailles, such as reuniting with Austria and reclaiming the Sudetenland. By 1936, war with Germany was increasingly likely so the Royal Navy was supplied with new battleships and aircraft carriers. Despite this, Britain continued their policy of appeasement after Germany remilitarized the Rhineland in 1936, and even after the Anschluss with Austria in 1938. Under the Treaty of Versailles, which Germany signed on the 28th of June 1919, Anschluss between Austria and Germany was forbidden. The settlement caused great resentment in Germany, and Austria shared similar sentiments. Under the Treaty of Versailles, they were forbidden from Anschluss with Germany, which they thought would be the solution to their economic problems. Foreign loans were provided to Austria, but only in response to Austria committing to not uniting with Germany. Before Hitler came into power, he had included his wish of Anschluss with Austria in his foreign policy. The wish of Hitler's is understandable, as Austria was his country of birth. In Mein Kampf, he wrote... German Austria must return to the great German motherland and not because of economic considerations of any sort. Common blood belongs in a common Reich. This is shared with his aim of uniting all German speakers, which he included those in areas taken away by the Treaty of Versailles, such as much of Poland and the Sudetenland. 
In early 1938, Hitler had encouraged Austrian Nazis to stir up trouble and stage demonstrations and riots across the country. They called for unification with Germany. A vote was held, and 99.75% of Austrians voted for the unification with Germany. This meant that Austria's army, weapons, rich deposits of valuable ores and resources were added to Germany's growing army and industry. This made Germany more confident in their abilities in the event of war, while it is true they were becoming increasingly powerful. Britain strongly condemned Germany for the Anschluss. However, it was in no position to take major action and start a war. One of the reasons for this is that many in the British public supported the policy of appeasement, so the British government were in no position to fight against the German-Austrian unification. Additionally, because many Austrians also supported the Anschluss, the British believed that it was reasonable. Another reason was the anti-Comintern pact. As a result of it, Britain was unwilling to risk war with Germany as it could lead to Japan and Italy taking action against Britain. Meanwhile, France was in a state of political turmoil. Its entire government had resigned after failing to secure support for its plans for dealing with the country's economic problems. So besides condemning Germany's actions, they were not able to take any effective action, especially without the support of Britain. By 1936, war with Germany was extremely likely, so the Royal Navy was supplied with new battleships and aircraft carriers. Despite this, Britain continued to appease Hitler after the Anschluss with Austria. For Hitler, it was increasingly evident that Britain and France were unlikely to react to further breaches of the Treaty of Versailles. The seventh factor I'm going to look at is the Munich Agreement. Hitler had signed a 10-year non-aggression pact with Poland in 1934 to show it was peaceful. It became obvious he was not peaceful when he invaded Czechoslovakia in 1939 after he had successfully claimed and taken possession of the Sudetenland. This was not a surprise as Hitler had stated in his foreign policy in Mein Kampf that he wished to Germany to expand to Czechoslovakia and Austria. In September 1938, Hitler was demanding that Sudetenland was handed over to Germany, who of the population of around 6 million people, 50% were Germans, who claimed they were being oppressed and mistreated by the Czechs. After Hitler made an anti-Czech speech in mid-September, British PM Neville Chamberlain feared war a war that could be worse than the devastating First World War. He believed the British military was not ready to fight Germany, and the British public wished to avoid war whatever possible. The Czech leader, Edward Benish, became concerned that Hitler would invade his country, so he asked Britain and France for support if it came to war. However, they were reluctant to do so, and Britain sent a politician to Czechoslovakia to recommend certain parts to be given to Germany. Mussolini helped to arrange a meeting which became known as the Munich Agreement between Britain, France and Germany in September 1938. It was agreed at this meeting that Hitler would be given the entire Sudetenland. The participating countries had attempted to avoid bloodshed by giving the Sudetenland to Hitler without consulting Czechoslovakia. Despite the USSR being in alliances with France and Czechoslovakia, they were not invited to the Munich Conference and were very disappointed at its outcome. Stalin felt that the USSR's defence against Germany had been compromised by the conference, believing that Hitler had been given the confidence and resources needed to push eastwards, first into Poland and then into Soviet Russia. The Sudetenland was rich in natural resources and was defended by a group of well-trained soldiers. The loss of resources and further military to Hitler's growing empire was an important loss to the Allies, who would have benefited from an alliance with Czechoslovakia especially as it is likely that the Munich Agreement and continued appeasement resulted in the Nazi-Soviet pact. 
This is because the Munich Agreement convinced European powers that Britain and France were unreliable and feared a lack of action against Germany. This was especially the case for Stalin and the Soviet Union, who shocked the world as he decided to enter negotiations with Hitler. Finally, the Nazi-Soviet pact was made between Stalin and Hitler despite their opposite political ideologies. The main reason Hitler wanted to sign the pact was to gain more time to develop his military to a level where he could afford to invade and fight the Soviets. He also saw advantages to the pact, such as the ability to take over Poland with the assistance of the Soviet military and maintain a temporary peace with them. In regards to Stalin, the main reason he signed the pact was that he had lost trust in the countries of the West, namely Great Britain and France, due to their continued appeasement to Hitler. Quite clearly, Stalin would have rather allied with Britain, which up until he signed the Nazi-Soviet pact was his main aim. But they had continued to let him down with a slow negotiation, and quite simply he was insulted by them. Stalin knew that he would eventually need to fight Germany, but his army was not yet ready. He wanted to use the pact to gain time through a temporary peace, and build up his armed forces. The pact would also enable him to take over much of Poland and have a sphere of influence over Eastern Europe. This was a clause that Britain was unprepared to give them if they formed an alliance. The pact allowed Hitler to invade Poland, as he knew that Britain couldn't do anything to defend them. Also, it temporarily protected him from an attack by the Soviets. Hitler now had the resources and army of Poland to add to his terrifyingly powerful empire. The pact ended the hopes of the British people, who believed an alliance with Russia would stop Hitler. They now came to the realisation that nothing but war could stop Hitler now. As British people became more supportive of war, it was evident that Hitler could never be trusted, and the policy of appeasement had by far failed, as he invaded Poland on the 1st of September, resulting in Britain and France declaring war on Germany on the September the 3rd. Thank you for listening to another episode of my podcast. In the next episode, which will be released next Thursday, I'll be assessing how prepared Britain was for war by the time they declared war on Germany. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please consider using the links in the description below to leave a voice message for me, leave feedback for me, or visit my website which hosts additional revision material. Depending on which app you are listening to this on, you could also rate and review the podcast. Thank you.